What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire season, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas and primetime, as always, is brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But tonight, tonight we have a loaded show. We will run through uh, the latest Dak Prescott injury update. Then we'll get into what Devin White, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker, had to say about the Cowboys offense. Some thoughts uh, after watching the football game uh, again, the all 22 tape and all of that. So I think that will also be not really fun, but at least informative, right? That's what we're going for on tonight's show. So, uh, all kidding aside, though, welcome, everyone. Let me see some questions, though, before we get here. Uh, let's see. How do, how do we fix this offensive line and what backup quarterback do we go after, says Dexter Williams. Uh, I want to focus on that second portion of the question because it doesn't sound like the Cowboys will go for a backup quarterback at all, which is kind of a curveball after Mike McCarthy said that they were looking at every single quarterback that's available around the league. That's what Mike McCarthy said on Monday morning. But now Jerry Jones got on the radio and he is saying that that's not on the plans for the Cowboys. So it seems like they're just betting on Cooper Rush. It seems like Cooper Rush will be the quarterback for the next few weeks for the Dallas Cowboys. But, and this is a big one, uh, Dak Prescott might not be away for six to eight weeks like originally feared. Because it sounds like, and this is from the Dallas News, the Dallas Morning News, it sounds like surgery revealed that Prescott suffered an extra articular fracture to his right thumb in the season opening loss. This is a fracture that occurs, in, and I'm reading the, the exact quote here. This is a fracture that occurs above the wrist joint and doesn't extend into the joint itself. So as always, you know that I'm not uh, a medic expert at all, but that what what's even... The thing that's important here is that last part. It doesn't extend into the joint itself. And as such, that is usually a four to six week injury, not a six to eight week injury. As you probably know, that is a massive difference considering where the Cowboys are in their season. I don't think it changes what we are expecting out of the Cowboys because last night we were talking about what this means for the playoff odds of the Cowboys. But if you escape over the next four games with a couple of wins, with Cooper Rush in at the quarterback, then you're in a in quite a good spot heading into the life with Dak Prescott again whenever he joins the team back, which could happen, for example, for the Philadelphia Eagles game. We really don't know what will happen there exactly, but we know that Dak Prescott might be out for four to six weeks. It is a huge indicator of the Cowboys' optimism that Dak Prescott is not going into injured reserve. If Dak Prescott went into IR, he would automatically miss four games. And when Jerry Jones initially said that he was not headed to IR, I maybe a little bit irrationally 
thought that, oh, this is just a keep, to keep us interested, to keep us guessing, and to keep us tuning into the actual football games. And I think that that wasn't a crazy theory from my part, but when you get an actual report from a journalist like David Moore from the Dallas Morning News, you know that this is a, a legit optimism, right? The optimism is legit because they're giving you technical details about the surgery, something that they couldn't have find out before the injury. So this is where the good news come from. Uh, I am frust frustrated that the Cowboys are not adding any other quarterback. They're rolling with a Cooper Rush. I am frustrated about the whole Cowboys offense that we saw in week one and all of that. But at least we know that the good news is Dak Prescott might be back earlier than we expected him to be uh, last night. So at least there's that. I don't think that we can uh, say that the Cowboys are headed back into the playoffs just yet, but we at least know that he will come back at some point uh, before the bye week. Now, 7-11, though, with a very good comment, he says he will not be the same, though. And I would assume that he would not be the same. I would assume that since it's a hand injury, it would affect his gameplay throughout the rest of the season, even, I guess. Uh, again, I'm not a medic expert, so there's, of course, optimism that maybe we turn out to be wrong on this. And 7-Eleven says, even if he was not good, hard, to me, uh, hard for me to say because I have been a Dak guy from day one. I am also a Dak guy uh, for sure. Uh, I do think that there's no way to defend what happened on Sunday night. That was a poor game from Dak Prescott, poor decision-making, poor accuracy, even when the throws happened from a clean pocket up on further review. It was a bad game for Dak Prescott, and that's the compound effect that ended up with three points on the scoreboard. Let's see. Robert Chuk says, I'm not sure that's good news if he stinks it up again. Now, if he, if he stinks it up again, then the season is over, obviously. But if he comes back stinking, however, it's hard for me to say. It's even harder for me to say, as I talked about yesterday, oh, that is Dak Prescott. That is the reality of Dak Prescott. He will not bounce back. He will not be accurate ever again. When we have a full body of work throughout his career of Dak Prescott being a pretty good NFL quarterback, right? A guy who is in the constant discussion of being a top 10 quarterback in the league. So I'm not giving up on Dak Prescott after that week one performance. I'm definitely not. Take the year off, says Roger Hernandez. I don't think that will happen. Uh, Toxic Tom says, same with Micah. Listen to the Marcus Ware. Get out of here uh, and go to a real team. Don't waste your career here, says Toxic Tom. Talking about uh, Micah Parsons leaving the team someday in order to be with a winning team. But uh, I I've talked about that a lot here on Primetime. I don't think that's a, a thing. Let's see. Jesus Ayala says, is it, is it possible that Joe Looney can come back? I don't, I wouldn't say that that is in play here, especially because Joe Looney's position was center. Uh, and the Cowboys have a center. Tyler Biadish was actually a big positive from Sunday night, in my opinion. Rene says, what is your opinions? What, what's your thoughts on Will Greer? Holly also asking about Will Greer. I think that the Cowboys will never 
play Will Greer. I don't necessarily blame them for that. We talked about it in, when the preseason ended. We talked about the Cowboys making that decision for Cooper Rush to be number two on this quarterback room. And we reached the conclusion that that was the decision because the Cowboys like to play it safe. The Cowboys would much rather have a guy that will potentially get the high percentage throws in, get the safe, the safe passes completed, and not risk the football too much. Whereas Will Greer will be a chaos agent and will try to make some plays and he will try to extend them and he will throw some deep balls and he will throw some picks and all of that. And he might be exciting for us who are tuning in to watch the football game. But I think this is Cooper Rush's job to lose and he would only lose it if he goes out there and really lays an egg next week, for example, versus the Cincinnati Bengals, which might happen because the Bengals have a legit defense. But I think Cooper Rush is the quarterback, and I think it will be tough for him to lose the job uh, going into the next few weeks. I think this is Cooper Rush uh, by a wide margin. But anyways, I do want to get into the offense comments about the week one game. But before we do, I want to play this clip that has been going viral on Cowboys Twitter for a while now. Man, this is disappointing. One thing is for us who follow the Cowboys so closely, who are tuning in uh, every single day of the offseason for the latest Cowboys news and the latest updates. We knew that Kellen Moore was heading into this year with plenty of question marks. And you always have hope in the spring, right? You always have hope uh, heading into the season. Maybe Kellen Moore gets the little things right this time around. Maybe he is able to put together quality game plans without Amari Cooper on the team, without Michael Gallup to start the season. We saw what happened on Sunday night. We were all disappointed on the offense, on Kellen Moore, even on the players. But this comment from Devin White was so disappointing to hear because you wanted the Cowboys to maybe catch the Tampa Bay Bucks off guard. It seems like they didn't. Let's roll the clip. Let's see what let's see what Devin White had to say about the Cowboys offense and why they were able to stop them. Uh, last year we learned that they went they really wasn't going to commit to the run game. And you know, the runs that they did, they was, you know, gonna try to get outside and not run into the interior. But most of the running game was quick game. You know, a lot of curls, a lot of hitches, you know, a lot of slants and stuff. So we kind of knew that going in, so we was able to attack it. And that is frustrating, man, because it, watching the replay today, uh, I just got to watching the, the old 22 tape on Wednesday morning. So I, uh, on Tuesday morning, excuse me, I didn't, I wasn't able to watch it on Monday at all. So I was watching the old 22 today and Devin White's comments make a lot of sense, man. Uh, they knew what was coming consistently. The Cowboys, first and, and foremost, did not generate any sort of separation on, on Sunday night. And I actually have that stat here. I actually loaded up a graphic, but I didn't seem to upload it to the broadcast software. Let me share it with you real quick. Todd Arker from ESPN tweeted out the separation numbers for each of the Cowboys wide receivers. There were 87 wide receivers with at least three targets. So that was the 
eligibility filter. And among those 87 receivers, CeeDee Lamb was 69th in the NFL in separation. Dennis Houston was 67th. Noah Brown was 31st. Simi Fehoko, 20th. We just listened to Devin White list out the routes that they were expecting from the Cowboys wide receivers. And if you turn on the replay and you turn on the tape, that is exactly the routes that you will get to see from the Cowboys wide receivers. There's no wonder that there was no separation at all from the wide receiver unit. Not even from C.D. Lamp, who is your top guy. And as I said last night, even though you need to hold C.D. Lamp accountable, what Stephen Jones had to say on the radio on Monday morning was not fair, in my opinion. Just calling him out, demanding him to be better after an offseason in which they didn't even bring in somebody to be the number two guy after James Washington's injury, after Michael Gallup's injury. And of course, Michael Gallup's injury happened since last year. But you knew that he was not going to be ready for the first week of the season, maybe a little bit more. And yet the Cowboys didn't do anything about it. Dennis Houston is an undrafted free agent, and you always love those stories. But you got to know that it's not ideal to have an undrafted free agent play too much in week one. The Cowboys saw a similar situation when they started Terrence Steele at right tackle not that long ago, and Terrence Steele sucked on that year. Of course, he made that big jump in 2021, and we are hoping that that, that trend continues. But it's crazy that the Cowboys really headed into week one just betting on, on an undrafted free agent at wide receiver on Noah Brown, and just leaving CeeDee Lamb completely alone. And then CeeDee Lamb isn't able to generate separation either. And the coverage was condensing on him every single snap. Now, you can see the Cowboys' predictability on offense in very different ways watching the old 22 replay. One of the things that caught my eye is, and I didn't keep an exact track of how many plays this happened in, but it seemed to me that every time that the Cowboys ran max protect, and maybe they kept two tight ends in to block, or maybe they kept uh, two tight ends and a running back to block. Every time that the Cowboys did that, the box would rush three passers or four passers, or, or, or four pass rushers. Uh, excuse me, they would send four pass rushers or three pass rushers. Every time that the Cowboys ran max protect, they were ready for it. They didn't blitz. Instead, they dropped eight guys into coverage, seven guys into coverage, and when you have three dudes running routes, that's not going to work at all. It just felt like every step of the way the box had the better of the Dallas Cowboys. And then there were some plays in which the Cowboys ran max protect and maybe Terrence Steele got bit and maybe Dak Prescott was inaccurate with his throw. And it was just, man, it was a sucky offense to watch. I don't think, and I, I have yet to watch some of the other plays, uh, other games around the NFL, but I don't think there was in any, I don't think there was any offensive performance as poor as the Cowboys won in week one. A few candidates might be just the Pittsburgh Steelers, but even them 
took care of the football. Even them were not as penalized as the Cowboys. And they ended up winning, right? They did so with a five uh, giveaway differential, uh, a, five, a plus five turnover differential. But still, they were moving the ball way better than the Cowboys did. And they also do not have an offensive line. They also, they actually have a lesser quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. They have better weapons, maybe at wide receiver in terms of depth, at least. Disappointing overall. And we had some comments here. Jeffrey Miller says, so basic. Exactly. Last year, we were complaining and complaining about the routes that the Cowboys were running, just isolated routes instead of solid concepts that are kind of just weaved into a solid offensive scheme. We didn't see that once more from the Cowboys. And then there were the trick plays. One of the on the first drive, that that trick play that the Cowboys run. It's so crazy because number nine is in the edge, and Turn Steel, Turn Steel's assignment is not to block number nine. Instead, he he executes a sort of uh, down block to his left, and then Noah Brown is supposed to get number nine, but Noah Brown has somewhat of a wide split to get there to the defensive end. Dalton Schultz runs this kind of flat route after executing executing a spin, and it's just a mess. Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown run into each other. No, Nobody is even close to blocking number nine. He just crashes the Cowboys' backfield, and that's why the trick play failed. The Cowboys' concept on that trick play did not look solid at all. The Cowboys players just looked lost on that execution part. I actually wanted to load up the clip, but I forgot to do so. It's on my Twitter, at NFL. if you want to check it out. That's NFL. if you want to see the clip that I'm talking about. But it's just a play that does not look well designed at all and I've always said that if there is something you can give praise to Kellen Moore for is his play design not this time though not this time the Cowboys just looked figured out completely Mark says if McCarthy had any <laughs> if McCarthy had any you know courage uh how, how can we call it courage points he would take over the play calling knowing he might get fired. That's something that we will have to watch later in the year for sure. Professor O says, Mao is a legend. I don't think that I am. Shout out to Professor O though. Thank you for being here in the show. Carvel Williams says, everything is Jerry Jones' fault. Enough said. We aren't prepared for the big games, says John Kmerk. Roger says, Trick play looked like a peewee league play. Man, it was it was ugly. I knew it was ugly when watching the game live. And then this morning I was like, you know, I had I got my articles in for ABC Sports. I felt like I had some free time. And I said, you know what? It's time to to watch that all 22. And I didn't want to get to it. I was just looking for any potential distraction to keep me from watching the All-22. And then I got to that play and I was like, damn it. <laughs> this is not how I should be spending my time right now. But hey, hey, uh, it's, what, it's, it's what we do. And that was an ugly offensive game to watch. 
I have some losers, by the way. The whole entire wide receiver unit is a loser to me on this game. Matt Farniak, I rewatched the game and I zeroed in on 68. Man, it was ugly. Uh, Tyler Smith, not so much. Tyler Smith, I think that, I, I think that based on depending on what your expectations were for him, you will be disappointed or not. My expectations for him were not high at all, and he executed some. Impressive blocks here and there. He showed that he can overcome his technical shortcomings with pure and brute strength. And I actually tweeted out another play on, on my Twitter account about this in which he crosses his, his feet, his feet cross, his balance is not right. His hands are on the outside of Shaquille Barrett. He gives up his chest and he gets pushed back into the quarterback with... Shaquille Barrett running this speed to power kind of move in in over the edge. And Tyler Smith looks lost and he's hugging the, the defensive end that it's not a great look for Tyler Smith. But even in that play, he kind of overcomes it and rides himself back into position just with pure strength. And by playing long, he kind of readjusts his hands and gets him gets them on the chest and he plays long there. So I don't know what the Cowboys will do with the offensive line. That's one of the things that I wonder about the most moving forward. Do you say, screw it, let's accelerate Tyler Smith's development by leaving him there at left tackle? Or was Farniak's play so um, disappointing that you are forced to put Tyler Smith back at left guard and you play Jason Peters starting in week two? To me, that would be the ideal combination at the offensive line. But I don't know what the Cowboys will do because they clearly want to develop uh, to develop Tyler Smith. Joe Mesa says, looks like you are wearing a Raid the Reds jersey, Mauricio. Joe, and if there are fans watching from Mexico or fans that have, that have watched this TV show, you will laugh right now because... There is this Netflix comedy about a Mexico soccer team that the, the, the team is called, and it's obviously part of the joke. The team is called Los Cuervos Negros Salvajes de Nuevo Toledo en Puebla. That would be like the wild black ravens of Nuevo Toledo, which is, you know, a place in Puebla because they don't even play in their original uh, city. So yeah, this is a jersey of a Mexican soccer team that's completely fictitious and that has a big uh, curse over them. So hey, maybe maybe it's a fitting jersey after all. <laughs> Professor O says, can you say we need to fire Rowdy in Spanish for me? Tenemos que despedir a Rowdy. <laughs> Young Merck says, viva Mexico. There you go. There you go. Hey, this is the, this is the, the, the exact right month for us to make these kind of comments because Independence Day is <laughs> getting closer and closer. Carl says, Mauricio, it's all right to laugh if you know it's the truth. I don't know if this is about the Raider it's yours, you think. <laughs> yes, what Mo said. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kenneth Fraser says, Jerry should have kept most of the players last year, especially the offense and the defense. <laughs> Man, I love I love how the how the comments just fired up with me talking Spanish. 
No, it doesn't have a number four on it, though. No, it doesn't. It's just like the, I think it's the brand of the jersey. <laughs> what do you think about putting Tyler Smith at left guard and Jason Peters at left tackle, says Derek. That's that's my ideal combination, honestly. That's what I would do. I think I think that Matt Farnick might force you to do so because Farnick's play was something. It was uninspiring. We read the numbers for Matt Farniak. Actually, Professor O tweeted them. The, the PFF numbers for Matt Farniak. Those were some ugly numbers. And I will see if I can find them real quick here again. We, we mentioned them yesterday already. But for those of you who are watching uh, live right now and maybe you didn't tune in. Oh, man, Aaron Judge just homered again. That's the second in the game. He's at 57 now. Aaron Judge. Six pressures, three hurries, three quarterback hits, and a 26 pass blocking rate. Those are the numbers for Farniak. I think he might be the guy that forces you to move Tyler Smith back inside. Because if it was Connor McGovern, I think they would just roll with it for sure. Farniak was worse than a mannequin standing around out there, says John Merck. He was disappointing. I expected way more from him. PFF also said Pollard was a better blocker than Seek, says Mark. Hey, that's that's not ideal for PFF. They, they have this weird takes sometimes. But the six pressures were there, I promise you. Three hurries, three quarterback hits. You go, you go watch the replay, you go watch the tape, and Farniak will stand out. You will not, you will not even have to look for him every single play. You will know. Like it was ugly. I might tweet out some clips later uh, during the week. But that that was not good to play from, from Matt Farniok. And you're facing a pretty solid defensive line next weekend versus the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, let's move on to that. Let's move on to that. A very way too early look at the Cowboys versus the Cincinnati Bengals game. Other than that, I don't have much more thoughts on the on the Sunday night game. As I said last night, I liked what I saw from the defense. I liked what I saw from the defensive tackles. They were able to make some plays. Demarcus Lawrence is still the guy. Micah Parsons still the guy. I don't know why people are making too much out of that tweet uh, uh, about Lenny's block, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but people are overreacting about it, in my opinion. I'm not even mad at the cornerbacks either. They allowed some big plays here and there. But I think that Anthony Brown, Trevon Diggs, and even Jordan Lewis played a very solid game overall. I mean, that's the Tampa Bay box on the other side. So you got to give them some credit too. Durant's Armstrong, says Stephen White, fell short. I would like to, I would like to go back and look at that one. But, you know, I think that he, I think he actually had a solid game, to be honest. He made a, a huge play early in the game that I thought was pretty solid in the run game. Mark Aaron says, uh, I think that Farnock is a better center. And Andrew Wilson says, Matt is a center. Come on, out of position. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going to kill Matt Farnock, the offensive guard or the offensive center. But if we're talking about playing him at guard, then we know it's not a good idea. 
Carl says, Mo, you should get them to fire Kellen Moore, make you the offensive coordinator, and play Will Greer. I would just do what I do when I play NCAA 14. I would just run empty every single time. <laughs> empty three-by-two formations or things like that. And if, we're, if we get to that goal line, we are running stick concept to the right, slants from the left side, and then we're, we're having the quarterback scramble to the right every single time. If you play NCAA 14, if you get to that situation, I guarantee you that will work nine out of 10 times. That game is broken already. <laughs> but anyways, moving on. The Cowboys are playing the Cincinnati Bengals next Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals are 0-1. Dan Quinn said that this is going to be a matchup between two very pissed off teams I just have a question for you because once more, I am a little bit surprised at the betting spread. The Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys are seven and a half underdogs versus the Cincinnati Bengals. What's your way too early gut feeling if you were forced to make a bet here? Would you would you take the points for the Cowboys at home? Or would you lay the points? Bengals on the road. The Bengals did not look pretty last week either. So what 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 is your way too early gut feeling? Let me know in the comments. Would you take the Cowboys plus seven and a half? Or would you take Bengals minus seven and a half? While you let me know your answer and what your hypothetical bet would be, let me talk to you about our friends over at FreemanMazda.net because the ride of the week is the CX50 2.5S Preferred Plus. Let's talk about this one. It starts at $34,340 on FreemanMazda.net. It's got a 2.5 liter Sky Active G4 cylinder engine a best all-wheel drive, sunroof, rain-sensing wipers. It comes with a Wi-Fi hotspot, which is a game-changer and a way-too-useful tool, and a miles-per-gallon capacity of 24 in the city. That goes up to 30 when you are in the highway. Uh, check it out over at freemanmazda.net. You can check out the interior pictures, the outside pictures. It is a fine, fine vehicle, and when you choose Freeman Mazda, you're choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer. So make sure you check it out. Family-owned business for over 65 years. Great, guys. FreemanMazda.net. What would you take? The points or would you lay them? Since you will win by more than seven and a half, says Professor O, people would take Cincy. Cowboys Chris says, I'm taking the under. I'm also looking at that one. We'll see on Thursday what we go with. By the way, we're 1-0 on betting the Cowboys. We are 1-0. We went with the under last week. It's in play. It, it, it's definitely in play. 31-6, Cincy. Good news. We double our points from last week. Six Toxic Tom. They're going to roll us, says John Merck. Stephen White is taking the Cowboys. Gregory is taking the points as well. Jeff with the Bengals. Toxic Tom with the Bengals. Uh, that is one tough little Mazda, says Carl. Yeah, man, the CX-50 preferred plus, definitely tough. Cowboys 17, Bengals 16. I will tell you what, right now, my gut feeling is that I would take the Bengals 
But you know me, I am a contrarian and I don't like the fact that 71% of the people, according to coverage.com, is going with the Bengals right now. Uh, so I'm, I, I'll never like to, I am never a fan to go with the overwhelming public bet. We'll see what happens later in the week. I will tell you what, though. I will tell you what. The Cowboys defense will be able to wreck some chaos versus Cincinnati this week. The Bengals have so many problems on that offensive line. And it's not only about the talent. Of course, they added Lyle Collins. They added, uh, you know, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa. They got some players in there. They still have some weak spots. Specifically, left guard is a weak spot to attack on Sunday for sure. Cordell Balson, the rookie, was forced to start. That wasn't really the plan for, from day one for Cincinnati. They were forced to play him after Jackson Carman, who was a projected starter, absolutely sucked in the preseason and training camp. So they changed it up there. That's his spot to attack for sure. But they also have a lot of communication issues. It seems like there are a lot of, of problems with that pass protection scheme and they are constantly leaving some gaps unprotected. They are constantly asking Joe Burrow to make some impossible hot throws. So the Cowboys pass rush might get to Joe Burrow consistently. He gave the ball away four times in week one, uh, four interceptions actually, and then one fumble. So five total giveaways for Joe Burrow in week one. How will he respond to that? That will be something to, to be on the lookout for. But that's a pretty tough group of wide receivers for sure, led by Jamar Chase. If you can, if you can make this a dirty game, then you never know, even with Cooper Rush. But yeah, right now I, I will go with the Bengals. But as Mark Aaron said as well, they don't have a long snapper, at least not for now, because it was a biceps injury and it is serious. So maybe, maybe that seven and a half, that seven and a half uh, spread is not that crazy, especially considering that the Cowboys are, are at home. If the Cowboys can end up taking a win here, can you imagine that? That would be huge, especially if Prescott is set to miss four to six weeks instead of six to eight. That would be huge for the Cowboys. That's a tough ask, though. Definitely is. Anyways, before we get out of here, let's get to the one cool thing of the week. Let me know in the comments. What is your one cool thing of the week, whether it's something personal, professional, sports-related, not sports-related? Let me know what's your one cool thing of the week. This is like a our feel-good space on primetime for those of you who are new here, and it will be particularly important after the Cowboys lost their starting quarterback for multiple weeks. So we will be doing this every single Tuesday night uh, what is your one cool thing of the week? Mine is sports-related this time around. My one cool thing of the week is that... Uh, that's cool. I, I will get to that comment here in a few moments. That's cool. Is that Mike Trout homered for seven straight games, and he was one game away. It sucks that he get, didn't get there for tying a major league baseball record of eight consecutive games with a home run. 
I know what you're thinking. Uh, who cares about baseball? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I care about baseball. And Mike Trout is uh, my favorite player, <laughs> of course. And he was so close to break to tying the record. So that's my one cool thing. That that was a thing that I had been following over the last few days as a sports fan. So what is your one cool thing of the week? Carl, shout out to Carl. This is also one of my one cool things of the week. Yeah, you, you have to love comments like this. Carl says, you're not used to seeing me chat because I have a smart TV and you can't chat on a smart TV. I am currently watching on my phone. Shout out to Carl who is here and who is uh, on the chat for the first time. And also shout out to all of you who watch the show or maybe you listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, on the podcast platform, and you never get to chat with me or the people in the community. Shout out to you, man, because uh, there are a lot of viewers. Actually, most viewers do not comment. Shout out to them. You make this show possible. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Young Merck says, first time watching the show, and I love it. Work, work my man. Hey, Young Merck, thank you. Thank you. I won my week one fantasy football games to 7-Eleven. You know who I had in my only two leagues? Com Akers, <laughs> who was apparently benched by Sean McVay. Mark says, one cool thing, my mom's birthday is in September 15th. Oh, that's nice. Dodgers clinching the wildcard spots is Gregory. Damn. Gregory is always bragging about the Dodgers, and I hate it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Eltino, grandson turned three. Those twos are thirdable. We're thirdable. Oh, shout out to Eltino, and happy birthday to your grandson. Professor O, my seven-year-old football team, destroyed the third-grade team today. Felix had 10 tackles and three forced fumbles. There you go, Professor O. That's definitely a one cool thing on a Michael Parsons slash TJ Watt kind of stat. One cool thing is I got a bet, but I'm going back, says Stephen White. There you go. I'm a Texas Rangers fan. They have improved this year. Uh, ah, Toxic Tom, I hate to hear that, man. I hate to hear that. Uh, and I am sending your family good vibes for sure. Anyways, I hope that I didn't miss a one cool thing. Uh, Gilbert, Gilbert, Magic Man. For Bushland, they played Childers and he scored three touchdowns. Maximus Rodriguez. Shout out to Maximus Rodriguez, who, you know, just by the name Maximus, he was set up for a big game for sure. The Packers lost is cool. <laughs> That's cool. Anyways, moving on. Sorry if I missed a one cool thing, but that, is, that will be it for me tonight actually on the show. Thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Every like. Puts this show in front of more Cowboys fans. It takes about one, two seconds to do it. So do me a favor and hit that smash, uh, that smash button. I'm sorry. Smash that like button. And I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. It will be our first time previewing the Bengals game officially because tonight was just a way too early look. Man, Mark, I I swear, I swear that I was. I had this one in mind. Parsons made Skip Bayless mad. Micah Parsons was a no-show for the undisputed weekly appearance that he was going to make every Tuesday there. He was a no-show. <laughs> they couldn't reach him. 
Man, I love that piece of news as well. <laughs> but anyways, do me a favor, hit the like button. I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. I'm your host, Mauricio Rodriguez. Prime Time was brought to you by our friends over at FreemanMazda.net. I will see you tomorrow night. Adios, nos vemos hasta mañana. Bye.